Chapter Eight, Part Two of the General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The General History of the Pirates, Volume One, by Charles Johnson. Chapter Eight, Part Two. A description of the islands of Sintom, del Principe, and Anabono. As the Portuguese were the great improvers of navigation, and the first Europeans who traded to and settled on the coasts of Africa, even round to India, and made those discoveries which now turn so much to the advantage of other nations, it may not be amiss, previously to description of those islands, to hint on that wonderful property of the lodestone that a little before had been found out, and enabled them to pursue such new and daring navigations. The attractive power of the lodestone was universally known with the ancients, as may be believed by its being a native fossil of the Grecians, Magnus a Magnesia. But its directive, or polar virtue, has only been known to us within these 350 years, and said to be found out by John Goya of Malfi, in the kingdom of Naples, Prima dedit nautis usu magnetis Amalfi. Though others think, and Assyrus, it was transported by Paulus Venetus from China to Italy, like the other famous arts of modern use with us, printing, and the use of guns. The other properties of improvements of the magnet, that is, variation, or its deflection from an exact north or south line, variation of that variation, and its inclination, were the inventions of Sebastian Cabot, Mr. Gellibrand, and Mr. Norman. The inclination of the needle, or that property whereby it keeps an elevation above the horizon in all places but under the equator, where it is parallel, is as surprising a phenomenon as any, and was the discovery of our countrymen, and could it be found regular, I imagine would very much help towards the discovery of longitude, at least would point out better methods than hitherto known, when ships drew nigh land, which would answer as useful an end. Before the verticity and use of the compass, the Portuguese navigations had extended no farther than Cape Non, it was their ne plus ultra, and therefore so called. Distress of weather, indeed, had drove some coasters to Porto Santo and Madeira, before any certain method of steering was invented. But after the needle was seen thus inspired, navigation every year improved under the great encouragements of Henry, Alphonsus, and John II, kings of Portugal, in part of the fourteenth and in the fifteenth century. King Alphonsus was not so much at leisure as his predecessor to pursue these discoveries, but having seen the advantages accrued to Portugal by them, and that the Pope had confirmed the perpetual donation of all they should discover between Cape Bayadora and India, inclusively, he resolved not to neglect the proper assistance and farm the profits that did or might ensue to one Bernard Gomez, a citizen of Lisbon, who was every voyage obliged to discover one hundred leagues still farther on, and about the year 1470 made these islands the only places of all the considerable and large colonies they had in Africa that do now remain to that crown. St. Thom is the principal of the three, whose governor is still captain-general of the islands, and from whom the other at princes receives his commission, though nominated by the court of Portugal. It is a bishopric with a great many secular clergy, who appear to have neither learning nor devotion, as may be judged by several of them being negroes. One of the chief of them invited us to hear mass, as a diversion to pass time away, 
where he and his inferior brethren acted such affected gestures and strains of voice as showed to their dishonour they had no other aim than pleasing us and what i think was still worse it was not without a view of interest for as these clergy are the chief traders they stoop to pitiful and scandalous methods for ingratiating themselves they and the government on this trading account maintain as great harmony being ever jealous of each other and practising little deceitful arts to monopolise what strangers have to offer for sale whether toys or clothes which of all sorts are ever commodious with the portuguese in all parts of the world an ordinary suit of black will sell for seven or eight pound a turnstile wig of four shillings for a moido a watch of forty shillings for six pound etc the town is mean building with large and populous the residents of the greater part of the natives who through the whole island are computed at ten thousand the militia at three thousand and are in general a rascally thievish generation as an old grave friend of mine can witness for he having carried a bag of second-hand clothes on shore to truck for provisions seated himself on the sand for that purpose presently gathered a crowd round him to view them one of which desired to know the price of a black suit that unluckily lay uppermost and was the best of them agreeing to the demand with little hesitation provided it would but fit him he put em on immediately in as much hurry as possible without any colicencia seigneur and when my friend was about to commend the goodness of the suit and exactness they sat with not dreaming of the impudence of running away from a crowd the rascal took to his heels my friend followed and bowled very much and though there was five hundred people about the place it served to no other end but making him a clear stage that the best pair of heels might carry it so he lost the suit of clothes and before he could return to his bag others of them had beat off his servant and shared the rest most of the ships from guinea of their own nation and frequently those of ours call at one or other of these islands to recruit with fresh provisions and take in water which on the coast are not so good nor so conveniently to come by their own ships likewise when they touch here are obliged to leave the king his custom for their slaves which is always in gold at so much a head without any deduction at brazil for the mortality that may happen afterwards this by being a constant bank to pay off the civil and military charges of the government prevents the inconveniency of remittances and keeps both it and princess isle rich enough to pay ready money for everything they want of europeans their beefs are small and lean two hundred weight or a little more but the goats hogs and fowls very good their sugar coarse and dirty and rum very ordinary as these refreshments lay most with people who are in want of other necessaries they come to us in way of bartering very cheap a good hog for an old cutlash a fat fowl for a span of brazil tobacco no other sort being valued etc but with money you give eight dollars per head for cattle three dollars for a goat six dollars for a grown hog a testune and a half for a fowl a dollar per gallon for rum two dollars a roux for sugar and half a dollar for a dozen of parakets here is plenty likewise of corn and farine of limes citrons and yams the island is reckoned nigh square each side eighteen leagues long hilly and lays under the equinoctial a wooden bridge just without the town being set not to deviate the least part of a minute either to the southward or northward and notwithstanding this warm situation and continual vertical suns the islanders are very healthy imputed by those who are disposed to be merry in a great measure to the want of even so much as one surgeon or physician amongst them 
Il del Principe, the next in magnitude, a pleasant and delightful spot to the grave and thoughtful disposition of the Portuguese, an improvement of country retirement, in that this may be a happy and uninterrupted retreat from the whole world. I shall divide what I have to say on this island into observations made on our approach to it, on the seas round it, the harbour, produce of the island, and seasons, way of living among the inhabitants, some custom of the negroes, with such proper deductions on each as may illustrate the description and inform the reader. We were bound hither from Waida at the latter part of the month July, when the rains are over, and the winds hang altogether south-west, as they do before the rains south-east. Yet, with this wind, when at sea, we found the ship gained unexpectedly so far to the southward, that is, windward, that we could with ease have weathered any of the islands, and this seems next to impossible should be if the currents, which were strong to leeward, in the road of Waida, had extended in like manner across the bight of Benin. Now, it must then have been very difficult to have weathered even Cape Formosa. On this occasion I shall farther expatiate upon the currents on the whole coast of Guinea. The southern coast of Africa runs in a line of latitude, the northern on an easter line, but both straight, with the fewest inlets, gulfs, or bays, of either of the four continents. The only large and remarkable one is that of Benin and Calabar, towards which the currents of each coast tend, and is strongest from the southward, because more open to a larger sea, whose rising it is, though little and indiscernible at any distance from the land, that gives rise to these currents close in shore, which are nothing but tides altered and disturbed by the make and shape of lands. For proof of this, I shall lay down the following observations as certain facts. That in the rivers of Gambia and Sierra Leone, in the straits and channels of Benin, and in general along the whole coast, the flowings are regular on the shores, with this difference, that in the above-mentioned rivers and in the channels of Benin, where the shore contract the waters into a narrow compass, the tides are strong and high, as well as regular, but on the dead coast, where it makes an equal reverberation, slow and low, not to above two or three foot, increasing as you advance towards Benin, and this is farther evident in that at Cape Corso, Secondo, and Comenda, and where the land rounds and gives any stop, the tides flow regularly to four foot and upwards, when on an evener coast, though next adjoining, they shall not exceed two or three foot, and ten leagues out at sea, where no such interruption is, they become scarcely, if at all, perceptible. What I would deduce from this, besides the confirmation of that ingenious theory of the tides by Captain Halley, is first that the ships bound to Angola, Cabenda, and other places on the southern coast of Africa should cross the equinoctial from Cape Palmas and run into a southern latitude without keeping too far to the westward. And the reason seems plain, for if you endeavour to cross it about the islands, you meet calms, southerly winds, and opposite currents, and if too far to the westward, the trade winds are strong and unfavourable, for it obliges you to stand into twenty-eight or thirty degrees southern latitude till they are variable. Secondly, on the northern side of Guinea, if ships are bound from the gold coast to Sierra Leone, Gambia, or elsewhere to windward, considering the weakness of these currents, and the favourableness of land breezes, and southerly in the rains, tornadoes, and even of the trade wind, when abreast of Cape Palmas, it is more expeditious to pursue the passage this way, than by a long perambulatory course of four or five hundred leagues to the westward, and as many more to the northward, which must be before a wind can be obtained that could recover the coast. 
Lastly, it is, in a great measure, owning to this want of inlets, and the rivers being small and unnavigable, that the seas rebound with so dangerous a surf through the whole continent. Round the shores of this island, and at this season, July, August, and September, there is a great resort of whale-fish, tame, and spawning very nigh the ships as they sail in, always in pairs, the female much the smaller, and often seen to turn on their backs for dalliance, the prologue to engendering. It has an enemy, called the thresher, a large fish too, that has its haunts here at this season, and encounters the whale, raising himself out of the water a considerable height, and falling again with great weight and force. It is commonly said also that there is a sword-fish in these battles, who pricks the whale up to the surface again. But without this, I believe, he would suffocate when put to quick motions, unless frequently approaching the air, to ventilate and remove the impediments to a swifter circulation. Nor do I think he is battled for prey, but to remove him from what is perhaps the food of both. The number of whales here has put me sometimes on thinking an advantageous fishery might be made of it, but I presume they, no more than those of Brazil, are the sort which yield the profitable part, called whalebone. All, therefore, that the islanders do is now and then to go out with two or three canoes and set on one for diversion. The rocks and outer lines of the island are the haunts of a variety of sea-birds, especially boobies and noddies. The former are of the big of a gull and a dark collar, named so from their simplicity, because they often sit still and let the sailors take them up in their hands, but I fancy this succeeds more frequently from their wariness and the largeness of their wings, which, when they once have rested, cannot have the scope necessary to raise and float them on the air again. The noddies are smaller and flat-footed also. What I would remark more of them is the admirable instinct in these birds for the proper seasons and the proper places for support. In the aforementioned months, when the large fish were here, numerous flocks of fowl attend for the spawn and superfluity of their nourishment, and in January few of either. For the same reason there are scarce any sea-fowl seen on the African coast, rocks and islands being generally their best security and subsistence. The harbour of Princes is at the east-southeast point of the island. The north side has gradual soundings, but here deep water, having no ground at a mile off with one hundred and forty fathom of line. The port, when in, is a smooth, narrow bay, safe from winds, unless a little swell went southerly, and drafted into other smaller and sandy ones, convenient for raising of tents, watering, and hauling the seam, the whole protected by a fort, or rather battery, of a dozen guns on the larboard side. At the head of the bay stands the town, about a mile from the anchoring place, and consists of two or three regular streets, of wooden-built houses, where the governor and chief men of the island reside. Here the water grows shallow for a considerable distance, and the natives, at every ebb, having before encompassed every convenient angle with a rise of stones, something like weirs in England, resort for catching of fish, which, with them, is a daily diversion, as well as a subsistence, five hundred attending with sticks and wicker baskets, and if they cannot dip them with one hand, they knock them down with the other. The tides rise regularly six foot in the harbour, and yet not half that height without the capes that make the bay. Here are constantly two missionaries, who are sent for six years to inculcate the Christian principles, and more especially attend the conversion of the Negroes. The present are Venetians, ingenious men, who seem to despise the loose morals and behaviour of the seculars, and complain of them as of the slaves, ut color mores sunt nigri. 
they have a neat conventual house and a garden appropriated, which, by their own industry and labour, not only thrives with the several natives of the soil, but many exotics and curiosities, a fruit in particular, larger than a chestnut, yellow, containing two stones, with a pulp or clammy substance about them, which, when sucked, exceeds in sweetness, sugar or honey, and has this property beyond them, of giving a sweet taste to every liquid you swallow for the whole evening after. The only plague infesting the garden is a vermin called land-crabs, in vast numbers, of a bright red colour, in other respects like the sea ones, which burrow in these sandy soils like rabbits, and are as shy. The island is a pleasant intermixture of hill and valley, the hills spread with palms, coconuts, and cotton-trees, with numbers of monkeys and parrots among them, the valleys with fruitful plantations of yams, kulalu, papas, variety of salating, ananas, or pineapples, guavas, plantains, bonanas, maniocos, and Indian corn, with fowls, guinea-hens, muscovy ducks, goats, hogs, turkeys, and wild beefs, with each a little village of negroes, who, under the direction of their several masters, manage the cultivation, and exchange or sell them for money, much after the same rates with the people of St. Thome. End of chapter 8, part 2